Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. This is an important statement, Jesus. Every sin can be forgiven. That's very valid for me as a pastor. You know, when I talk about people accepting Christ, if I had to say, well, you know, God can't forgive adultery, he can't forgive lying, he can't forgive pornography. Well, he can forgive the thing of pornography, but if you've done it 22 times, only 20 he can forgive. If I had those kind of restrictions, I probably would stop preaching. But Jesus says every sin can be forgiven. doesn't matter your lifestyle. The gospel of Jesus Christ is indeed good news. Jesus said that every sin that anyone has ever committed can be forgiven. In today's message, Pastor Mark tries to imagine a gospel that had tons of restrictions on forgiveness. No forgiveness for adultery. No forgiveness for stealing. No forgiveness for lying. No forgiveness for hatred or fornication. Imagine such a gospel. Such a gospel would hardly be good news at all. Well, this is not the gospel which Jesus preached. And if you're a Christian, this is not the gospel which set you free. Jesus said through him we can be forgiven of anything. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Two Kingdoms in Conflict. Jesus says, would Satan really drive out people from his kingdom? You know the term. Sometimes we do something stupid and you say, that guy just shot himself in the foot. What Jesus is saying is, Satan's just constantly shooting himself in the foot. And all the people that didn't want him in his kingdom, he's chasing them out. Well, we know that's not true. So what Jesus is really trying to say, and it's kind of interesting to us, he says, if Satan was using his own power to drive people out, there would be this civil war in Satan's kingdom, and Satan's kingdom would be destroyed. Well, let me ask you this morning, is Satan's kingdom destroyed today? No, not at all. So Jesus just says this, the logic you're using, it's absurd. Satan's not working against himself. It couldn't be. It would never work. Now, let's go back to the statement, though. See, the principle is very true. Look at it again in verse 25. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. I want you to write it down. I just wrote it in another way, and it's simple, but you need to understand the principle. Because this principle applies to you, and it applies to me. You see, if there's a kingdom, or a church, or a city that's divided against itself, it won't last. So Jesus says, a kingdom, or a church. If a church has a church split, and they're divided, and they're not going the same direction, my friends, it won't stand. 
We've seen that through the years. How about a home divided against itself? Can your home, if there's division in the home and your husband and wife are against, can it last? No. Why do we have divorce? For that very reason. You see, when this principle goes back to the start of creation, the main building block of society is the home. There wasn't a city hall. There wasn't a school. There wasn't a police force. There was not a church, but there was a home. In Genesis, we read this verse. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. You see, a a home is to be a place of oneness, not a place of perfectness. That doesn't ever happen in our homes. There's no perfect marriages, but there's a oneness. Well, what is oneness? I want you to write this down this morning. What does God say when he's interested in oneness? Oneness can be defined as being in agreement with God's will for our lives and in agreement with our spouse. Amos says it like this. Can two people walk together? Can two people walk together unless they've agreed to do so? Let me tell you, over the last few years, I've changed. I'll say to the prospective bride here, you want a man in your life that loves God with everything he's got. You don't just want a Christian. You want a man who's godly, who's going to love you, who's going to stand and do devotions with you. It's going to pray with you. You're going to work as a team to cover your home. You want a guy that's not afraid to bring his Bible to Sunday and go, yeah, and he's in a men's group and he, he loves God. He's not perfect, but he goes for it. And then I turn to the girl and I say, is that the kind of guy you marry? Then I say to the man, take a look at the young gal you have over here. Now, she's pretty, she's young, got all the right shape, all that stuff. I say, that's cool. 50 years, that's all going to change, so relax. (laughs) But I say to the guy, seriously, I say to the guy, you just don't want a pretty girl. Nothing wrong with that. That's, That's like an extra. But you want a woman that loves God and that can pray with your children. And I always remember my mom when I was a teenager. I'd go upstairs in the side room. I hear my mom, God, keep my two sons. Keep them true. Protect them. Woo! Didn't mean much then. Now you know why I'm here today. I need a woman. You need a wife like that. And so I say to the guy, is that the kind of girl you have? No, not perfect. There are no perfects. But if that's not what they have, they'll never walk in agreement. Notice the last key. The last key is team, unity, oneness. You see, Jesus said a kingdom, a home divided itself, it can't stand. You say, Pastor Mark, we haven't divorced. Yes, but your home is death. You don't sleep together. You have sex once a year. You can't stand vacations together. You just barely get along in the room together. What is that? It's divorce, but you're still in the same home. That's all it is. Because there's no oneness. The home is divided. Listen to these words. You see, Satan wants to bring disunity, not unity, not perfectness. Lord help us, we all fight in our homes. Is that true? 
Yes. You say, you mean you fight? Yes. I'm always trying to keep my wife straight. It's a hard thing. (laughs) But she has a harder job trying to keep me straight. I guarantee you that. But at the end of the day, we work it out. I want to give you some words today. You can kind of take the temperature of your own home. Is there unity in your home or disunity? When you're with God, God's part of the marriage. It's a threesome. Listen to this. If you hear these words, these are words from the kingdom of Satan. They're not from the words from the kingdom of God. I'm hurt. I'm trapped. I'm put down. We'll never make it. I'm ready to quit. You see, when those words begin to be sprinkled through the conversation, the outcome is already guaranteed. A divorce is coming. Yeah, but the next one's going to be better. No, your chances of the next one are worse than this. And it declines rapidly. Why? Because I didn't fight for my marriage. I didn't go for the oneness. Every home divided against itself, it won't last. Now here's words from God. This is the kind of words you need to be speaking that I need to be speaking in our homes. I need you. That'd be a good thing for you to get with your spouse today and say, I need you. By the way, I know there's many of you divorced. You're looking... You're wondering, will God ever do anything? Yes, he will. You can't go to the past. The past is a past. But remember what I told you, what you need to look for? You just don't look for a guy. And you just want to look for a gal. You say, well, I'm looking for just a Christian guy and a Christian gal. No, you want to look for what I told you. And by the way, while you're looking, you become that other person. And then God will bless you. Well, he'll bless your, your socks off or your flannel nightgown or whatever you wear. He'll bless it off. Here's the other words. I need you. How do you see it? Let's work it out. I'll help you. Here's a big one. Together, we can make it. You see, marriage is supposed to have enjoyment. Ecclesiastes 9.9. Enjoy life with your wife. Not separate. With her. Whom you love. You see, life is designed for companionship, for friendship. Not isolation. For this intimacy thing. Not loneliness. Intimacy is not only sexual, but of course it is sexual. It's all of those things. In our world, it's amazing what you find in Christian homes. Amazing to me. Do you know that one morning, one of us will wake up, and there'll only be one person on the bench. Death will have come. By all statistics, Linda will be alone on the bench. It could be that I might outlive her. I'll be alone on the bench. You say, well, I don't like to think about that. You should. When are you going to start enjoying life with your spouse? How about today? How about having a date night tonight? Well, I got all this stuff planned. Pitch it. The only thing that's important in life is God and people. I got my taxes to do. Do Get up at four in the morning and do them. Because one day, she'll be gone. Or I'll be gone. But see, these memories are special. Enjoy them. It doesn't have to be in Singapore. It can be in the backyard. If you go to McDonald's, get something that's healthy. Otherwise, one of them will be gone quicker. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. Let me ask you today. In your home, is there unity or disunity? A kingdom, a city, a church, a home divided against itself will not last. Why? 
Because Satan will win. Look at verse 27. Jesus said, and he goes on, If I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus says, I'm not advancing the kingdom of Satan. In fact, just the opposite. I'm in the process of destroying it. How in the world would you say to him, I'm advancing it. I'm destroying it. Can't you see that the kingdom of God has arrived? Pharisees. The man couldn't speak. He couldn't see. He can see. He can speak. The kingdom of God is here. But you don't get it. You're blinded to it. Here's an important thing. 1 John 3, 8 simply says it like this. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Notice why Jesus came. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's the main thing. Jesus came for one purpose. To go to the cross, to pay for our sin, and to free mankind. One person at a time. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come to just come and make a name for himself. He came to free people from the kingdom of Satan. Now you say, well, why is Satan still here? If on the cross Jesus won, why is he here? Well, let me read to you from Stott. For though the devil has been defeated, he has not yet conceded defeat. And although he's been overthrown, he has not yet been eliminated. Do you know today what the outcome of this war is going to be? We win. When is that going to happen? Well, when you die, you win. Because you go right to heaven. But how is this battle going to end? In a few years, we don't know when, there's something called the tribulation coming. Seven years of hell. Before that, it's the rapture. All Christians go to heaven. That's when you run. By the way, you don't want to be left behind. Seven years, the book of Revelation tells us that Satan will wreak havoc on this earth. Hell on earth. By the way, it's all focused in a little teeny city you've heard of before. It's called Jerusalem. And it's in a country you might have heard of before too. It's called Israel. The reason for the Iraq war? Don't kid yourself. It's all about Israel. It's all about the Muslims' hate of the Jews. Oh, they hate Christians, but they hate Jews way more. At the end of the seven years, Jesus will come back. He will confine Satan for a thousand years. He will enforce peace for a thousand years in this earth. We're coming back when the men are new bodies. At the end of a thousand years, Satan will be released for a little time. The people that went through that tribulation, and they all have a choice. Either to accept him or not to accept him. Jesus will then finally defeat Satan, and everybody in this kingdom of Satan who hasn't changed kingdoms will be thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever, separated from the peace of God. That's how the war ends. But it hasn't ended yet. It's, it's still going on right now in your life and my life. Even though we become a Christians, we know what that flesh does and how it raises up, and we understand what that's like. Then... Well, Jesus gives us this picture. Look at it, verse 29. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. 
See, Jesus uses all kinds of parables to illustrate a spiritual truth. Let me give you an illustration of how that would work. Let's picture a $3 million house over here on the Indian River. You know, in the old days, I mean, that would be a big house. $3 million house today, about probably 1,000 square foot. That's about what you get. If you live in California, it's about 10 by 12 room or something. Well, inside this $3 million house are jewels and a safe, lots of money in the safe, rare paintings. But the owner is always home. And he has surveillance everywhere, plus he has armed guards with machine guns. Well, how are you going to get in that house and rob it? Jesus said, how are you going to get in there and tie up that strong man? Well, nobody would do that. I mean, there's no real reason, no way to get in that armed fortress. You couldn't do it. Maybe in our movies, James Bond, Pink Panther, somebody like that would find a way in. So spiritually, what is Jesus talking about? Well, look at that again. How can anyone enter a strong man's house, carry off his possessions, as he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob the house. Well, the strong man is Satan. The servants, the servants in that house are demons. The house is the kingdom of Satan. It's the world. It's the world we live in. His possessions, his possessions are people who are in that house. Well, how can somebody enter Satan's house go past the demons, overcome all of them, and bring out a person into the freedom. Who could rob that house? Who could tie up Satan? One person, Jesus. And every time a person becomes a Christian, that's what happened. Jesus neutralizes the power of Satan, and the person comes to God. But they must want to choose to do that. That's the spiritual warfare we're talking about. Jesus puts it in terms we can understand. So Jesus says, I've been attacking the home of Satan and and freeing those who were demon-possessed forever. I'm still doing it today. And he is. In this service, he'll do it. That's a wonderful thing. Then we come to a verse that's, well, it's got some bite to it. Remember second Jesus? Watch this. Look at verse 30. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. Now I'm going to put a statement on the board. You've got to have an IQ of about 160 to understand it. The rest of you, I'll try to break it down into small things so you can catch it. But write it down anyway. Maybe over time you'll get it. It's pretty complex. So here's the statement. Jesus says, if you're not following me, well, you're not following me. Pretty complicated, isn't it? Jesus says, if you're not following me, you're, you're not following me. What does he mean? He says, if you're not with me, you're against me. What he means is there's no neutral ground. You see, quite often, especially in witnessing, we'll talk to people and we'll say, well, what do you think of Jesus? What do you think of Christ? And here's kind of the response you'll get quite often. Well, I don't know. Especially during Easter, I think he's a good man and a, a nice philosopher, has some really neat things, kind of up there with Gandhi and whatever, really neat statements. And actually, from what I read in the Bible, he's a super teacher. And really, those are all true. And then I'll probably say something like this to the person that's an unbeliever. Well, have you decided to become a follower of Jesus then? Is that something you would like to do in your life? Are you for him? And one of the responses quite often you get from somebody is, nah, I'm I'm kind of neutral. No, you're not neutral. 
I just read in the paper today a big religious section deal about somebody trying to get all the churches together and have this unification deal and atheists and agnostics with every kind of false cult and everything and we all come together and, and have unity. What are you, crazy? You can't have unity. Notice what Jesus says. If you're for me, then we can do some stuff. But if you're not for me, you're against me. There's no neutral ground. There's none of this mix of, well, a little bit of this, a little bit of that religion, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Cool. No, Jesus says it pretty plain. He who is not with me is against me. So if you're not following Jesus, listen, listen. If you're not following Jesus, you're against Jesus. Well, uh, not, I didn't say it. He did. There is no neutral zone. Now we come to a couple of verses that, well, you've been asked it, maybe you've wondered about it. Verse 31, and so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. Jesus was saying to the crowd and the Pharisees, if anyone will confess their sins, repent, change their lifestyle, and begin to follow me, then they can receive forgiveness regardless of the type of sins, the number of sins, what your life was like. I'll free you and put you on your road to heaven. So this is an important statement, Jesus. Every sin can be forgiven. That's very valid for me as a pastor. You know, when I talk about people accepting Christ, if I had to say, well, you know, God can't forgive adultery, he can't forgive lying, he can't forgive pornography. Well, he can forgive the thing of pornography, but if you've done it 22 times, only 20 he can forgive. If I had those kind of restrictions, I probably would stop preaching. But Jesus says every sin can be forgiven. Doesn't matter your lifestyle. Doesn't matter if you sit here today with HIV positive. Doesn't matter. God can forgive every and any sin. There's no ifs, ands, or buts except for one. Now, if you're there that day, wouldn't you want to know what the one is? I'd want to know. Which one is it? Well, a lot of controversy. Hopefully, I can make it clear to you. When Jesus talks about this one exception... Jesus says there's one sin. Listen to this. One sin you can't be forgiven. Jesus calls it an eternal sin. It sends a person to eternity to bear under his own guilt, under the wrath of God forever. What does that really mean? Well, in John 16, Jesus says, I'm going to leave this earth and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, God. And he's going to come to this world. He's going to do a lot of things. But in John 16, we're told he does one thing. He's going to convict unbelievers of one sin. And the one sin is not believing in Jesus as their Savior. Which kingdom are you a part of? Are you a part of God's kingdom? These are crucial questions to ask ourselves. In today's message from the book of Matthew, Pastor Mark reminded us of Jesus' words, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, and showed us how it has implications for marriage as well. He also explained the unpardonable sin and said, if you're worried about it, you haven't committed it. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Well, next time we will continue our study of Matthew chapter 12. Pastor Mark will challenge us to remember that, as Jesus said, a real Christian is known by his fruit, meaning his actions, words, and his lifestyle. What do your actions, your words, and your lifestyle reveal about you? Does your life witness that you are a part of God's kingdom? Tune in and be challenged on the next edition of Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurry